Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Grief is Not Just Another Season. My name is Johnny Richards. I am a bereavement coordinator with Heartland Hospice here in Raleigh. And before we get started, let me remind you once again, as I do each time we have our podcast, that this is a production of Heartland Hospice in Raleigh, which is a subdivision of ProMedica. And we are glad that you've joined today. And I'm happy today. I'm excited today because I have some help with our podcast. I have joining with me today uh, Keith Vaughn. Keith is one of our bereavement coordinators. Keith, thank you so much for helping. Johnny, thank you for inviting me. I'm very happy to be here with you and uh, uh, be a part of your podcast. Thank you. Appreciate that. And so what we're going to talk about today as we continue discussing our grief and, uh, you know, one of the things that is shocking to me, Keith, is that it's already October 15th. I mean, time flying by this year. We are in our 14th episode of our podcast, and I appreciate everybody who has listened. And, you know, we've got a lot going on in the Raleigh area with the uh, State Fair and with hockey starting off last night and all that kind of stuff. But even with everything that's going on, all the activities that are taking place, we still know there are people who are struggling and grieving and having their own kind of, you know, when, when you're dealing with grief, it's almost like, Everybody else's world continues and, and your world stops. You know what I mean? Yes, I understand. Yeah. So, you know, I started thinking about that this past week as I was looking at this podcast. And the topic we want to talk about today is one that I hear a lot when we make phone calls. And it's a question that some of our people who are grieving ask, mainly because they're concerned about the process that's taking place with grief. And the question is, Am I doing this right? Am I grieving right? And, you know, it was interesting a couple weeks ago when I was working on the podcast, uh, we had an activity or an event that we were taking part in with our workplace here in Heartland. It was just kind of a get-together. It was a a fun time uh, at a coffee shop, and we were just kind of sitting around talking, which I thought was a wonderful thing to do just to kind of loosen up and, and get away from work a little bit. And so the people I was that had put this on, that had organized it, were there, and I, I was sitting around talking with them. And I asked them, I said, is there an agenda for this meeting? And she asked me, she said, what do you mean? I said, well, is there anything like y'all had planned to do that, you know, if there's something that's planned, I want to do it, I don't want to, you know, waste your time. And, and they said, no, we did have kind of an agenda. And I said, what's that? She said, well, you'll see we have a bag of shells, seashells, and we have a container of water. It was like a basin of water. And I said, yeah. And she said, if you would like to, what you can do is you can take these markers and you can write a word on the shell that keeps you from being productive that day or it kind of stands in your way and causes stress. And I said, okay, that's kind of cool. And jokingly, I said to her, "Um, is this going to work? And she said, what do you mean? I said, so if I write this on the shell and drop it in the water, What's supposed to happen? She said, well, what will happen is the marker will dissolve and that word will be taken off your shell and that's basically an image or a a symbol sort of like that that's been lifted off of you. And I said, okay, but is it going to work? And she said, yeah, it's going to (laughs) work. She said, it's going to work. And I said, okay, I trust you. And so I was joking with her. I mean, I felt it was going to work. And so I got a shell and I wrote on there anxiety. And I got the shell and I dropped it in the water. And I watched it, and it wasn't leaving. <laughs> and so <laughs> I looked at it a little bit, and other people wrote on shells and put theirs in, and theirs just disappeared. 
And I asked her, I said, so what's up? I said, my shell, the word is still there. And she looked at it and she said, it'll, it'll leave. And I said, okay. And so I watched it some more and it never left. And she started getting concerned. And so she takes my shell out of the water and starts trying to rub the word off. And it won't come <laughs> It will not come off the shells. <laughs> so my anxiety stayed on the shell. And she could not believe it. She was laughing. I think she was embarrassed. She was laughing. And she got a marker and just basically marked over my word. And I said, what are you doing? She said, I'm going to try to cover it up. And we put it back in the water and nothing ever happened. And so I looked at her and I said, or somebody asked me at the table, did you do it right? <laughs> I'm like, all it is is writing on a shell. Surely I did it right. But here's what happened, Keith. When we pulled it out, we noticed something. There were two sides to the shell, of course. One was a smooth side. One had ridges on it. Yes. Like a ruffled potato chip had yes. ridges. Yes. And what I did is I wrote on the, the ridge side. And that marker got in those ridges, and the water couldn't get it. Yes. So the water couldn't pull it out. Everybody else wrote on the slick side. So I have to answer that question by saying I didn't do it right. Right. <laughs> I did it wrong. I did the event, the activity wrong, and, and that kept my shell from having the word come off of it. So when I left that activity that day, as we were joking and laughing about it, um, I started thinking, you know, there's so many people in grief who ask the question, am I doing it right? And they do that because maybe they're three months into it and they're still crying. Or maybe they're um, still not sleeping at night. We're still struggling, and and you know as well as I do, Keith, you know, when it comes to grief, it's hard to really say you're doing it right or wrong. Mm -hmm. And so I started thinking about that, and I started thinking, well, this is something we need to talk about in one of our podcasts, is we need to, first of all, assure people that your grief is done the way you do it, and, and however you do it, it's the right way. Yes. I mean, there is no... Um, right or wrong way when it comes to grief. You just experience it and you journey through it and things like that. So I wanted to assure people you know, who listen that if you're grieving, you're doing it right. I mean, you may be crying, but, but you're still doing it right. I also wanted to kind of share some ideas about what grief looks like so people would know, you know if they want to have a sort of an image or something to look at to see if they're doing it right, then they will have it. And be able to say, okay, these are some of the things that I'm going to experience. So I am doing it okay. I, I really just wanted to assure people today that um, not to be discouraged as you're grieving. You know, it's, it's tough. It's hard to do. And so uh, we're going to talk about that um, in just a, a few minutes. But, you know, I began to ask that question to myself. You know, am I doing it right? We We ask that a lot of times, no matter what we're doing, whether we are... Uh, grieving or whether we are um, doing a podcast or whether we're doing anything. Keith, when was the first time you remember somebody questioning whether you were doing something right or wrong or, or in your own life whether you were doing something right or wrong? Hmm. You, you remember a time when that happened? You know, I, I, think, uh, I, I think if I'm... Um was maybe uh, uh, working on a project mm -hmm. at school in Woodshop. Right. 
and uh, and um, trying to uh, turn a piece of wood on a lathe mm-hmm. and uh, and shape it into. I think we were trying to make a uh, a, a candlestick holder. Yeah, and whether or not I was uh, turning it on the lathe correctly was I was I holding the tool correctly as I turned the piece of wood on the lathe and and uh, and so for me who was a novice you know trying to do uh, what the teacher had instructed me to do uh, but not always getting it uh, correctly because uh, and and doing it exactly uh, as the tr- teacher had said hey this is how you need to to turn the wood on the lathe and this is how you need to hold your tool and uh, to do your cuts and things like that. So I, I remember that from, from woodshop class and just that experience and, and not having ever done that before yeah. in my life. So how did you, um, when you think about, let's use that example because I love that example, um, how did you determine whether you did it right or wrong? What was the gauge that you used to measure whether or not you were doing it right or wrong? I think for me, whether how the maybe how the how the project came out, how the how the piece of wood came out at the end, and and what it looked like, and what, was I happy with it? Was I satisfied with it in the process? And and then looking at it at, at the at the end and say, hey, I think I did a pretty good job at this. I think I like what I did, mm-hmm. and uh, and though it maybe some some of what I was doing may have been a little bit unorthodox. But I was able to complete the process and come out with something that I was happy with, that I was satisfied with. Okay. And I take home, you know, gave to my parents. Yeah. Say, hey, look at what I did at Woodshop today. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. so uh, was there ever a time when you, when you looked at what you created mm-hmm. and compared it to how other people created theirs and kind of wonder, why does mine look different? Or were you pretty satisfied with the fact that you were doing it on your own? Oh, sure. I think I think that's always a part of what we do, whether it was in art class or or wood shop or other things where other individuals, where other classmates are making something, forming something, creating something. You kind of look at what you're doing and compare to those, and, uh, and hey, they're. Why are they using those colors? Uh, their drawing techniques look a lot better than mine. Um, their uh, their wood their wood project seems a lot smoother than mine. Right, and, right. Uh, they they used a better looking stain than I did. Those yeah. kinds of things. Uh, yeah. So I think I think we always compare ourselves and what we do to what other people's what other people do to determine. Hey. Did I do it the right way, right. or uh, is is my way okay? It's just different because different different doesn't mean wrong. Exactly. exactly. It just means different. Yeah. And we may work at a different pace than other people do. Whenever we're making something, creating something, writing something, doing something. Or grieving. Exactly. Or grieving. Yeah. Or grieving. We all have yes. different ways to do it. That's yes. exactly right. And, and I appreciate you sharing that story because that leads us into this of this idea of doing it right. And, and I was trying to think, what is it that causes people to even ask that question? You know, I mean, what is it that makes them in their mind think, 
am I doing it the right way? And I think part of that is what you talked about, is comparing it to how other people have grieved. Now, we may not look at somebody, if we're grieving, we may not look at somebody and say, am I grieving in a way that they grieve? But other people may look at us and say, you're not grieving the way that I grieved. Yes. And so you may not be doing it the right way, whether it's, um, you're not crying. Why are you not crying? Mm -hmm. Well, what we don't understand sometimes is maybe they've cried a lot beforehand. Yes. You know, maybe they've dealt with this anticipatory grief, and mm -hmm. so they've dealt with a lot of that pain already and, yeah. and done that. Well, haven't you got past this? Why? Uh, I, I, I was good in three months. Why are you? It's six months. Why are you still? Why are you still dealing with this? Why yeah. are you still uh, going through this and, and focusing on this? And, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's hard that comparing type thing that people do. People want to help you feel better, and people want to pick you up. But at the same time, we do tend to compare how we're grieving with how other people grieved. And, and another reason people struggle with this idea of am I doing it right is because of expectations that are set from other people. And I think expectations are set from different groups. I think we have expectations set from our family. I mean, I, within each family are dynamics. Yes. And, a, you know, the children could be processing grief different from a mom or a dad who's lost a loved one. Mm -hmm. They may be processing it different from a grandparent or a sibling. It's just according to how that person's made up. But sometimes our families expect us. You know, you might hear a father say to a son, don't cry. Mm -hmm. You know, be strong. Mm -hmm. Well, that may be the way he deals with it. may not be the way the son deals with it. Mm -hmm. So the son, in his mind, is saying, am I doing it right? If my dad says I shouldn't be crying, but I'm crying... Am I doing it right? So there's the family expectation. I think there's also a church expectation if there's a person by faith. Now, you and I both have been in church work, and surely church people wouldn't have an expectation. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, not church people. <laughs> right. But they have their own expectation of how we should be grieving. Yes. You know, they may be the ones who say, well, they don't even, you know, preacher, they don't even look like it's bothering them, mm -hmm. you know. And so we may be expecting them to be hurting more, you know, because they've lost someone close to them. But we don't know their background. We don't know their story. So you have family expectations, you have church expectations, and you also have a social expectation. People who see you walking up and down the street. You know, you may be walking up and down the street doing good, and somebody come up to you and say, didn't you have somebody die? And you're able to grocery mm -hmm. shop? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. yes. You know, that's an expectation people have is yeah. that we should be struggling more than we are. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I think even the dynamics at work, like you may come into work and one co-worker says, uh, you know, I expected you back sooner. Mm. And then another co-worker may say, what are you doing here? Shouldn't you still be at home? Shouldn't you still have some more time off to be uh, taking care of yourself? Taking care of yourself, yeah, yeah. Uh, because of maybe how they dealt with grief, yeah. or how they think you should deal with the grief, because that's what worked for them. Yeah, you know, people don't think a lot about expectations because we don't really share them. But I think internally we all have expectations of how somebody should do this, and that's why it's important that we let people know. Um, not to base your grief and how you're doing it on what other people expect. You know, you know your body. You know things that you can or can't do. Um, in just a minute, we're going to talk about some things you can expect to happen during grief. 
Um, but don't let other people determine how you grieve. I mean, if you are having a day and you want to just cry because something happened, maybe it's an anniversary coming up or a birthday or a trip that you used to take every year with your mom and now mom's gone and you're not able to do it. And this day is just a hard day. Allow yourself that day. Don't, don't let other people uh, guide your grief process or, or tell you how you should or shouldn't grieve. So one of the hard parts of grieving and why people say, am I doing it right? It's because there's so many expectations put out there about why people should grieve or how they should grieve. So what does it look like? Let's, let's talk about that in just a few minutes. What does it look like to actually uh, grieve? Now, there are some things that I want to share, six or seven things that I want to share that are going to take place during a grieving process. And the first one um, is that there's going to be crying. I mean, there will be tears. Now, it may not be at the time of death. It may be during the you know, time before a person dies, especially if someone's going through uh, Alzheimer's, if somebody's on life support. Anytime I think we have a doctor give a terminal diagnosis, we, our bodies as a defense mechanism begin to grieve. We begin to say goodbye in whatever way that is. Mm-hmm. Um, it may be spending more quality time with the person. It may be actually talking to them and, and sharing with them. But I do believe uh, there's a natural time in our body when we start helping ourselves try to prepare for the loss that's going to take place. There's probably going to be some crying because uh, nobody likes to lose anybody. It's painful. It's hurtful. And so there's probably going to be some um, crying that, that happens when you're grieving. Another thing you can expect is it to be a long, lengthy process. I mean, Keith, I've, I've lost both parents. The earliest one was 11 years ago, 2010. I still grieve. I still grieve. Now, you lost your father. How, how long ago? Um, 2018, so three years ago. Yeah. And I still grieve. I still grieve. It's just at different levels. Mm-hmm. And uh, But like you said, there are markers in life that come up. His birthday, uh, my parents' anniversary date, uh, maybe even something I'm doing in the house, just like watching a ball game. Because oh, yeah. my dad and I used to yeah. just watch ball games together. I remember that. And, uh, and that might trigger a memory about my father and will kind of take me back mm-hmm. to that place. Uh, but uh, maybe not always in a sad way, but in a joyful way, I remember those, those yeah. times with him. But that's still a part of grief as well. Absolutely. The joy and the, and the tears. Yeah, absolutely. Both, both. Absolutely. And, you know, like I said, my, my dad's been, has passed away in 1997, and that's a long time ago. Yeah. But, you know, whenever I play golf now, I still remember my dad because we did that all the time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that brings me back to a little bit of that pain. Not like it was. Sure. Able to continue on. Sometimes it's even happy laughing about some of the things we did. But, um, yeah, it's going to be a, a lengthy journey. It's going to be a lifetime experience. And no matter how long it has been since somebody passed, you're still going to have things that kick up emotion. We call triggers yeah. that kick up emotion and, and cause that grief to come back. It's going to be a roller coaster ride. Yes. Some days are going to be great. Yes. Some days are going to be hard. Um, 
and I'm not much of a roller coaster ride person. <laughs> I've never liked roller coasters. <laughs> so, so that's a little difficult image to, to put in my mind, but um, it is. You're going to have your highs and you're going to have your lows of grief. And, you know, it's, another image is the waves in the ocean. Sometimes it's going to feel like the waves are knocking you off your feet, and yes. sometimes it's going to feel like they're only up to your ankles. And um, you're just wading through it. So uh, there's different types of things that are going to happen in grief that come and go according to what's taking place. There's going to be some pain. There's going to be some pain in grief. I mean, part of the process of grieving is dealing with the pain. Now, some people like to sweep the pain under the rug. Mm -hmm. That's hard. Yeah. That's dangerous. Because un unless you're able to work through the pain and process the pain and deal with the pain then you're never going to get over the pain. Mm. And so it's going to be hard to do that. Uh, there may be some anger. There may be some anger in your grief, um, especially, you know, we hear from spouses who um, are having to do things they've never done before, mm -hmm. and it's frustrating, and it's painful. Sometimes people experience some bitterness, and they're upset about, you know, having to do the things that they never had to do before, and that's understandable. So there may be some anger, but there also is going to be, and this is the thing, you know, I want to end up with today is I want to encourage you through your grief because there is going to be a sense of being empowered as you grieve. The more things you get through, the more things you will understand you can do, and then you'll understand, you know, I'm not as weak as I thought I was. Mm -hmm. And you will be able to handle things that you never thought you could handle. You'll be able to discuss a person's loss without losing control. Um, one of the things I always try to tell people is the purpose of grief and the reason we want to help people here at Heartland is because we want to, we want to allow people to be in control of their emotions instead of allowing the emotions to control them. And because emotion during grief can be very hard. But, you know, grief's difficult. Grief's a hard journey. It's a hard part of life. But I don't want people to, I don't want you to think today that it's a right or wrong. You know, it's a, um, it's a way that you do it the best way you can. Some people say it's living day to day or hour to hour or minute to minute, and that's true. It is. But, um, you know, I want people to understand that that the way you do it is correct. Yeah. I would say that uh, when we talked earlier about expectations, we don't have to meet anyone's expectations but our own. Right. And I thought about the the expectation of tears and crying. That for some, there's an expectation that you cry openly in public. There's some people who would rather cry in private, mm -hmm. and I think that's okay. Yeah, exactly. There are some people who've had to uh, kind of postpone their grief because they've had to be the strong ones for the others in the family, so they have not had time to grieve until later on, mm -hmm. and they can be by themselves and, and have that experience. Yeah. And then they may want to do that privately as well. Exactly. And um, so it is different for everybody in the way we process it and, and when we can experience 
based on what we're trying to do in in the midst of the of the moment. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Well, we hope you have uh, been helped a little bit, being encouraged through today's podcast, uh, dealing with the right, you know, doing it correct way, and understanding that there is no real correct way. It's just a way of doing grief and processing through it. Keith, thank you so much for joining me today, and hope you'll be with me again next time. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you for having me. Yeah, um, it's it's been a good discussion, and I appreciate your help so much. And maybe you've been listening, and you wanted to uh, send us a note or, or let us know what you think about it, uh, please uh, email me. I've given you the email before. I'll give it to you again. It's johnny.richards at hcr-manorcare.com. And if you would, you know, maybe you've got something you want to share, uh, some way that you've been dealing with grief that might help someone, please send that in. And we'll be glad to uh, look at it, read over it, and get back with you. But thank you again for listening. And until next time, we hope you have a good day. Goodbye.